You're listening to the Effective Statistician Podcast, a weekly podcast with Alexander Schacht and Benjamin Pieske, designed to help you reach your potential, lead great science, and serve patients without becoming overwhelmed by work. Today, I'm talking with Guillaume from AZ. Guillaume is an outstanding statistician and he has been on the show before and today we are talking about building an R community and his learnings. And if you think like, well, this is a pretty long episode and I'm not really interested in R, stay tuned. You will learn a lot about leading change, becoming a leader, investing in these kind of different things and what kind of an outstanding story this is. So it is really highly motivating. So please listen to this. Even if you think this is not applicable to you, I'm pretty sure you'll enjoy this episode. If you think, well, I could never do this and what Guillaume today talks about. Really creating a community, driving change, being a change agent, being a leader, even if you don't have a big title of a VP or a senior director or all these kind of other things. You can be a big change agent. And if you're really interested in becoming like this, then talk to me. Reach out to me on LinkedIn and we can talk about what we can do together to drive this change. This is for you if you work in a company or if you're a freelancer or if you work at a CRO or if you have your own company. Actually, if you have your own company, your own little consulting company, this will be especially helpful for you. So reach out to me if you really want to become a change agent like Guillaume talks about in this episode. I'm producing this podcast in association with PSI, a community dedicated to leading and promoting the use of statistics within the healthcare industry for the benefit of patients. Join PSI today to further develop your statistical capabilities access to the video-on-demand content library, free registration to all PSI webinars, and much, much more. Head over to psiweb.org to learn more about PSI activities become a PSI member today. Welcome to another episode of The Effective Statistician. Today I'm talking with Guillaume. And although he's probably well known for all his activities around biomarker, given that he also leads the or co-leads the biomarker special interest group, he's actually also very well known, at least with his company, AZ, about R. And so today we will talk about this specific thing. Hi, Guillaume, how are you doing? Hi, Alexander. I'm doing really good. It's so good to be back. Thanks for having me again. Yeah. I'm very happy and excited to be here today. Okay, so let's first start with those who don't know you already. What is your 
your career been up to now and where's your interest in R coming from? Yeah, absolutely. So before we get started, I, I would want to say that today the views and opinions that I will be expressing are my own and that I will not be speaking on behalf of, of AstraZeneca. So but now this being said, my name is, is Guillaume and I work as a statistical science director at AstraZeneca uh, in Sweden. And I graduated from NSAE, which is the French National School of Statistics, 12 years ago. And, and since the beginning of my career, I've had the chance to work in, in a diverse set of settings. I started my career in academia at the University of California, San Francisco. And after a couple of years, my wife and I decided that we wanted to relocate to Europe to be closer to family. And for me, relocating to Europe was synonymous of making that transition from academia to the pharma industry. Mm -hmm. And I have been in the industry since 2015. And what has been very, interest very interesting since 2015 is that I have had the chance to work in companies of different sizes, going from a biotech all the way to a big pharma, because I work for AstraZeneca. Now, you are asking, you know, where does your, your interest in art lies? And, and reflecting on my art journey, I can still remember having a chat with a very good friend of mine back when we were studying, and he was such an advocate of art. And I was such an advocate of SAS back then. <laughs> and we were going in these constant arguments on which tool was basically the best. Well, you know, as I was saying, back then my preference was for SAS. But that was a very long time ago. And, and more, important, more importantly, that was before I went to academia, where basically SAS was a no-go. But, mm -hmm. but things have changed a lot since. <laughs> since then. Yeah, definitely. Things have changed a lot since then. So in terms of where do you see the overall industry moving in terms of that? That's a very good question. I think we live in, in very exciting times. Because in, in the past few years, we've seen and we've been able to witness a true parting shift. If we start back a tiny bit, not long ago, as a statistician, you kind of had to choose your camp. Either you were a SaaS user or you were an R user, but you mm -hmm. could not really be both. But things are, are different today, I think. Many industries and, and our, many companies and our industry in general are evolving towards a multilingual programming strategy. And I'm a big advocate of using the right tool for the right job. So if, for example, if R is better as do, at doing data visualization, let's use R. If SAS is better at doing a specific kind of statistical technique, let's use SAS. And now, of course, we need to remember that this comes with some implications when, when if, if you want you know, to use, for example, both languages in a submission, as some of our peers have done, it comes with some implications because your standard operating procedures have to be open to this. Yeah, They have yeah. to be open to the fact that, okay, it's, it's not just going to be a proprietary language, but maybe it's going to be an open source language. So you have to be open to that kind of things. So, so that's one aspect. The SOP aspect and, and the fact of embracing this multilingual programming strategy. Again, if we step back from this, I think this multilingual programming strategy is extremely, extremely important to attract talents. Yes. 
Now, you know, let's imagine two companies. One company sticks to a proprietary programming language, and one company basically says, well, you can use the right tool for the right job. Which company do you think a young talent is going to join? Of course, the second one, because most of the young talents, and I know this is one of the biggest arguments in favor of you know, the open, open source languages like R, Python, and the others, is that that's what people are trained across the world in at universities. Yeah. And so I was I was kind of just graduating before you know R came really into being. And so for me it was all SAS, SAS, yeah. But a, a couple of years later, I know that all these SAS macros, yeah, were also published in R within the university. Yeah. And nowadays, if you look into publication from university professors, it always comes with an R package. Yeah. Absolutely. That is kind of the standard way to do it now. And of course, that saves you a lot of training. It makes it much easier for you know people to to get started, to bring their knowledge, get up to speed, all these kind of things. And yes, I know the the SOP thing is definitely a topic. I still remember some SOPs where it was specifically kind of SARS code was in there, or specific references to SARS were in there, and all these kind of different things. So. Yeah, for example, please check your SARS log file or something like this <laughs> for <laughs> these warnings and, and whatsoever. Yeah. And you need to have this header in your SARS whatsoever. Yeah. All these kind of different things in terms of SOPs, guidances. Of course, you need to update all of that. Yeah. And, and, and we kind of laugh about it, but it's not that easy. <laughs> yeah, you can't be like, oh, let's use R and, you know, tomorrow you are going to be using R and, you know. It's it's not a walk in the park. <laughs> Let's put it that way. It's definitely not a work a uh, walk in the park. Uh, a walk in the park, even in smaller companies. Yeah, it's a big change, and the bigger the company is, the bigger the change. And so, driving this change is actually one of the key things we want to talk about this today. And whenever you want. To drive change, one aspect is absolutely key. You need to take the people with you. And while doing this, one effective way is to build a community. So the community of our users at AZ, how did that start? Um, I joined AstraZeneca in, in October 2020. And this community, the community of our users at AstraZeneca, started in early 2021. And back then, in early 2021, we knew there were many R users at AstraZeneca. But there were three questions we could not answer back then. The first one, we did not know who the R users were. The second one, we did not know where they were in the organization. And the third one, we did not know what they were using R for. So that was the starting point. And to kick it off, we brainstormed with uh, two friends of mine at AstraZeneca, and, and we jotted down some ideas. We were like, okay, maybe we could write some kind of blog post. 
or maybe we could have an internal conference, or maybe we could sit with Pride Tidy Tuesday. Tidy Tuesday, which is a, a data visualization challenge happening outside of AstraZeneca. And Tidy Tuesday is kind of similar to the wonderful Wednesdays that yeah. you've been running as part of the, the data visa special interest group. So we had all these ideas and we kicked off the community of our users at AstraZeneca by launching AZ Tidy Tuesday in April, 2021. Awesome. So yeah, that is a great way. Yeah, you have directly kind of a platform, you have some way to exchange. And for all the people who don't know about Tidy Tuesday and Wonderful Wednesday, just a short recap. By the way, you can also go to the Visualization Special Interest Group home to check about this at psiweb.org. The, the format is very simple. Every second Wednesday of the month, there's a webinar during which a data set and the corresponding uh, data visualizations that were provided by the community is discussed. And all these kind of different visualizations are critiqued, uh, looked at what are, what are good applications, what are bad applications, all these different things. And actually, by far, the, you know, I think over 90% of the submissions are in R. And then at the end of the webinar, SIG provides a new curated data set that can be worked on up to the next webinar. So, and that kind of ends gives you a cycle of lots of lots of different webinars. So did you also run that on a on a monthly basis or even on a weekly basis? So initially it was on a, on an every other week kind of basis. And then we moved it on a, on a monthly basis. And basically what we were doing as part of this database challenge. So it was it was a similar kind of setting as as what what you were referring to. What we did is that we sold with pride AZ Tidy Tuesday in the sense that we gave it a twist. Okay. So I was I was the one in charge of it. And each time we were promoting a data set from Tidy Tuesday or like a publicly available data set, we were, I was telling a story around it. And that story was framed around one of the AstraZeneca values or around something happening at AstraZeneca at that time or around something happening in the world at that time. So we started with Pride, was happening, you know, once every other week or once a month. And what we did, in addition to basically receiving and reviewing, you know, outputs, we also did some code review. So every single entry, we were doing a code review. Okay. So not only did we learn a lot, you know, as code reviewers, but obviously, you know, the community learned a lot. Absolutely. Awesome. I love this twist about the, the story. Can you give an example of how such a story could, could look like? Yeah, absolutely. So, for example, one, one story that, that I can remember is, there are many stories you know, that I loved about it, but one that I can remember is it was during um, Pride Month, AstraZeneca, so I was able to find a data set about LGBTQ plus rights. And basically the, I think, best graph was a map of the world showing where it was the worst to be a member of the LGBTQ plus community compared to other countries. And, and the story around it was, 
you know, basically you've got these rights, you've got LGBTQ plus rights, you've got these rights. And we had this data set to support the fact that you are better off in some countries compared to other countries. So that's mm-hmm. one example of one story. But there are, there are many stories around it. It was we touched upon inclusion and diversity. We touched about lifelong learning. We touched about like so many things. We touched about our packages, of course. So we had some some visualizations about you know the the most downloaded packages. You know, to be, <laughs> to be a bit more geeky, the way. <laughs> well, the, I I love it because that way you have something for everybody. Yeah, and you also because you use data that affects everybody yeah and is interesting for everybody well maybe the most downloaded are packages are more <laughs> people but you know all these other things yeah of course you get a much bigger interest and you can share it with internal communications and all these kind of other things so That is awesome. Really, really nice. By the way, how did you communicate internally? So we've got an internal social media, and and that has been our main mode of communication. Now, we know that not everyone, you know, that social media does not suit to everyone and that not everyone is is very active on, on the social media. So what we've been doing is that we also have a monthly newsletter basically summarizing what has been happening in the past month in the community. So even if you are not that active on the social media, which remains our our main mode of communication, in that newsletter, you've got hyperlinks to the initiatives of the past month, so you can catch up. And it's also a heads up on what's going to be happening next month. Awesome. So that was, you know, not long ago, there was Arin Pharma a couple of weeks ago. So in the last newsletter, we did a heads up about it. You know, by the way, this is happening next month. There's a a bunch of topics that are probably of interest to to some of us. So, you know, keep an eye out. Yeah, that's one of the things that I always recommend in doing kind of change management. Use all the different communication methods that you have. Don't just rely on one because everybody has a different way of communicating. Internal social media, internal blog posts, whatever, Teams, email, whatever you're using, all these kind of different platforms you can use. Also, presenting it at all kind of different town halls, leadership meetings, uh, these kind of interactions are really, really helpful. And of course, the bigger your community, and if you provide them, you know, easy to use tools to speak about it, to introduce it, all these kind of different things, it's, it makes it easy to spread the world and get more and more uh, people connected. One important thing I think is for those that are in the inner community, yeah, so the inner circle, these need to have very, very close connection and, and collaboration. I, I absolutely agree. What I was going to say as well is in a lot of these things, and, and I think it's true for a lot of things that we do, it's about doing things well and it's about talking about them. Yes. <laughs> and then, you know, because you can work as hard as you want if you if you keep it to yourself. No one will ever know. I actually even say it doesn't really have an impact. 
Yeah. So one of the critical things you need to understand in a bigger organization is that you need to make the organization aware of all these kind of different things. Otherwise, people will not be able to leverage it, to utilize it. So, of course, it might sound, yeah, like you're selling something, yeah? <laughs> and maybe, maybe you don't love, love it of bragging or selling some, some things. <clears throat> I think this is a mindset topic. If you don't talk about this, it's a disservice to the organization. Yeah. You're basically keeping it to yourself. That is selfish. Yeah. <laughs> Talking about it and helping others, that is not selfish. Yeah. So it's, <laughs> I really need to put it, put it around. Yeah. Absolutely. Upside down. Yeah. So talk about all these kind of different things and how they help others. Yeah. It, not, not about how, how great you are. <laughs> talk about how it helps others. And that will make a huge difference. Absolutely. It's about, it's about sharing lessons learned, sharing knowledge and, and helping others. Absolutely. So in terms of, so you started with this tidy day at AZ. And your initial goals were to kind of find the people, connect the people, know what they are doing about. How did these goals change over time? What, what are kind of the, the current goals that you have for your community? I think the goal remains the same in the sense that the goal of the community is, is to federate the, federate the community of, of our users at AstraZeneca. And it has been the same for, for the past three years, basically. And we put it in place to, to get a better sense of collaborators using ARM across our organization. And what was very interesting is that it allowed us to discover that there are not just the usual suspects using ARM. It is not just the statisticians, or not just the programmers, or not just the data scientists, but it's basically all the collaborators with a quantitative mindset. And, and for example, it can be medical doctors, it can be clinicians, it can be managers, it can be HR collaborators, it can be so many functions. Mm -hmm. And that's where the strength of our lies. Because R being open source, but we're talking about R, but it could be any kind of open source language. Being open source, if you want to play with it, you can play with it. And there is so much out there, basically, to, to learn how to use R, that you don't need any specific kind of training. You can train yourself. So, so the goal remains the same. And following this goal, it's been very interesting to be like, okay, that's not just the usual suspects, but it's a lot of people across any kind of organization. And I think that's why this community resonates in so many people. And that's why, you know, it grew so much in, in the past three years, basically. That is a really good point. A couple of things. You mentioned that, yeah, R is helps everybody that works with data. Yeah. And of course, there's not just clinical and medical data. There's HR data, there's finance data, there's procurement data, there is 
data about sales, about marketing, pharmacological, and the data that we all love, resource planning and headcounts and all these kind of different things. Yeah. When I was doing data visualization training within one of my recent companies, yeah, exactly stepped into these same areas. Yeah. And it was a great way to showcase what you can do as a statistician, what you can do as a statistical organization, because you help others understand data, communicate data, analyze data, understand variability, all these kind of different statistical things. And data visualization, as you also used it with Tidy Tuesday, is absolutely amazing because it is what everybody is using. Yeah. No, not everybody is using that no propensity scores and estimates <laughs> and randomization and all these other things. Data visualization, everybody is using. Absolutely, because at the end of the day, when when we go see our stakeholders to get funding for a clinical trial or for a program, what is it that we're doing? We're telling a story. Yeah. And, and, well, and, if if we are good, yes. And yeah, we are yeah. <laughs> the question is like, do they buy it or not? And one thing that can help buy it is good data visualization. Yeah. And and we've all seen, you know, one way of presenting data or another way of presenting data. And you know, of course, you know, the better one is going to be more appealing, and you're going to understand it better, and and it's likely you are going to you are going to buy. It more you know if it if it looks nicer than than if you have a really hard time you know understanding what's going on we just talked about tidy your newsletter were there any other activities that you did internally to improve the connection within your community and also to grow it yeah absolutely so so we've had so in, in the past three years so I was saying and at the beginning, we jotted down some ideas, we investigated some, and, and then in the end, we decided to retire some of them. For example, AZ Tidy Tuesday, we decided to retire it at the end of 2022 for various kinds of reasons. One was the fact that interest was kind of fading away, and the other one being that it was quite time-consuming because we were doing one code review for every single entry. Now, let's imagine you've got just five entries, even just five entries. To do a proper code review, you can't really spend less than one hour. Yeah. So, you know, five times one is five hours. You know, it's quite a decent, you know, amount of time that you need to carve out of your time. So, you know, we've had initiatives, initiatives come and go. And as of today, we've got six initiatives going on. On, wow. a, on, on a monthly basis. And you were talking about blog posts. That's one thing that we have. So we have a monthly blog, blog post about a specific R packet. We've got a lunch and learn, keeping mm -hmm. in mind that, that people tend to be busy. So we're like, okay, let's, let's have a 30-minute format, 20-minute presentation, 10-minute Q&A. For inclusion and diversity, we're like, okay, we should alternate between Europe time zone and US time zone. So mm -hmm. every other month it happens at Europe lunchtime, European lunchtime, and, and every other month at American lunchtime. We have a hot desk where people can ask questions. 
and that can be anything it can be you know tricky ways of using R. it can be you know ways of using R in our organization that's probably the thing that as a community we can be the most proud of in the sense that since the beginning of the year we've seen it evolve so much we we launched a proof of concept of this last year and we launched it as a face-to-face kind of thing in in our Gothenburg facilities and and you know there was there were not that many people showing up i was doing it with a friend of mine and you know every month we were we said okay we're going to be there you know for two hours if you've got any questions stop by and we'll be happy to help there were not that many people that showed up so we're like okay we still think there is some value in it but let's revisit it so instead what we've done is instead of having a face-to-face kind of thing where you can show up and you can ask questions we have a Teams channel and you can ask questions. So at the moment, we have about 1,000 collaborators in this Teams channel. And, and at the beginning, it was only the steering committee that was you know, putting things there and answering questions. But what I find very interesting is that not long ago, things changed and people now dare asking questions in this channel. And it's not just the steering committee members that answer these questions, but it's like anyone in the community. And we were talking about, you know, being change agents and, you know, active change. I think this very much relates to being okay with being vulnerable. Yes. Being okay with like, okay, you know what? I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna say in front of 1,000 people that I have no clue in how to do this, right? <laughs> yes. And, and that's why I think that's one of the things we can be the most proud of in this community because you can talk about m- numbers, you can talk about many things, but kind of building this psychologically safe space where, where you say, you know what, it's impos- it is impossible to know everything. Mm-hmm. It applies to all, but it applies in our field. You know, we talked in the past of, you know, how vast our field is. And and it's okay. You can ask questions. You know, it's okay to be vulnerable. So so we've got this. And in addition to this, we've got three other initiatives. So we've got the newsletter that I was talking about. We have a workshop in collaboration with uh, Posit, which is uh, formerly known as, as RStudio. And last but not least, the new kid on the blog is AZR Ladies. Okay. So you might have heard of Our Ladies. So Our Ladies is a nonprofit aiming at promoting the use of R and at promoting STEM within women. And what is very interesting with AZR Ladies is that it is the very first Our Ladies happening within an organization. Okay. Because you've got all it is happening all over the world. So you've got one in Paris, you've got one in the Bay Area, San Francisco Bay Area, you've got some all over the world, but it's like region dependent, not company specific. And, and I find it interesting because the moment you say, you know, we've got an ACR ladies, then it's like, okay, you know, AstraZeneca is investing time, not only in R, that's one thing, but AstraZeneca is investing time in promoting the use of R within women. And, you know, that's why I think it's a, it's such a great initiative. Awesome. This is really cool. 
In terms of the general internal perception about this community, can you tell us a little bit about this, especially also from in the organization? So I think the internal perception is terrific, really. And internally as well as externally, this community is seen as, as one success story in how one can build a community. Again, it's not about the numbers. But to give you a sense of the scale of what we're talking about, since early 2021, this community grew from 200 collaborators to 1,600 collaborators. Wow. Amazing. <laughs> uh, you know, that's, that's an eightfold increase in three years. You know, it is, it is surreal. So, but again, you know, I, I don't think, you know, talking about numbers is like, you know, should be the right metric. To give you a sense of the internal perception, at AstraZeneca, we've got something called the Research and Development Awards. It happens once a year, and it is here to recognize some of the great work done internally. So it can be science-related, or it can be you know, community-related, or, or whatever, basically. And in 2022, the community of our users at AstraZeneca was a finalist in these R&D awards. So, so I think, you know, that's, that's a definite testimony of the way this community is viewed internally. So, so that's how it is viewed. Now, you know, to be completely honest, there is how a community is perceived. And then there is, okay, can you find, can you find metrics of success of a community? Yep. And this is much harder. <laughs> okay. Tell me more about that. So one easy metric could obviously, you know, could be a number game. You know, you could be saying, well, you know, it's just, you know, the number of members in your community. But to be honest, you might have understood it already, but to be honest, that's not really a metric that I like. No, because you will always have, how many are really active? Yeah. This is, this is, yeah. And you'll always have this exponential distribution in there. Absolutely. And the reason I, I don't like this metric either is because I like to have a metric that one can have a direct influence on. You can have as work as hard as you want, you know, community members can come and go. So you mm -hmm. can't really measure the success of, of your community this way. So so instead, one one metric that I like, one metric of success that I like is the number of ongoing initiatives, you know, what I was talking about. And, and the six initiatives that we have at the moment, because with this metric, you can have a direct impact. The sharing yeah. community members, you've got an idea, you implement it, it works, it works, it fails, it fails, you know, that's fine, but you can have a direct impact. These are very often called lead measures, yeah? Things that you can directly have an impact on and that you know will drive outcome later on. Exactly, yeah. And, and so, so that's a metric that I like. Another, another tangible metric to, to give you an example. A couple of months ago, my manager's manager reached out to, to me and, and a collaborator at AstraZeneca, and he sent us an email asking us, okay, have you ever used the R packed package? And I had never used it. The person CC'd had never used it either. And, but, but I knew I could leverage the community. And I was talking about the hot desk, which is a team's job. So I put a message in the hot desk 
And I asked, okay, have you ever used the RPAC package and putting putting a link to it so that people could, could have a look at it, you know, if they were interested. And I was tapping onto 1,000 collaborators, right? Within 40 minutes, we had identified a subject matter expert. Awesome. Yeah. And, and you know, it's not about the number of minutes, but if you think about it, how long it would have taken us to identify that person, you know, yeah. sending one email after another email after another email, it probably would have taken us days, right? <laughs> and especially kind of if you if these people are not sitting in the organizations that you expect them to sit in. Yeah, that is one thing. The other thing is, of course, you would probably spam a lot of people that are not <laughs> not using R at all. Yeah. And so it's a very, very specific search. Awesome. Yeah. I think, by the way, metrics are one thing. Having these success stories is incredible in terms of understanding the impact and also selling the impact of the community. Yeah. I think... If you ever drive change, also have you know see success stories in there. I I completely agree, and and I can still remember going back to the data viz challenge. It, it was in the early days. It was like 2021, and you know 2021 was pandemic time. And I remember someone who who became to be a very good friend of mine in the organization. I remember that person telling me, "Well, you know what." This data visualization challenge did not just help me to get better at R, but it helped me also go through the pandemic. So not, mm -hmm. not willing to make it bigger than what it is, but you know, this was a challenge outside of you know that day-to-day -day work, a challenge happening every other week or happening once a month, you know, kind of a bit of, of fresh air. So so I agree these small success stories and when people tell you well after this hard easy event i was able to connect with x because because we happened to meet there and mm -hmm. it happened that we have a common interest in that specific topic or that person knows you know how to do some shiny apps or whatever i agree with you and and it's probably it's probably more important than the metric you need metrics because you need to be like okay you know, you're investing time in it. So, so is it, is it valuable? So you need this. At the same time, I completely agree with you. You need to have these softer aspects in a way. If you would go back in time and start it all over again, what would you do differently? <laughs> that's, that's a very good question. I think the first thing I, uh, I would tell myself is it, it takes a lot of time. There's no shortcut. There's no magic. It takes a lot of time. But you know, if, if I was to, to tell myself two things, first, I would tell myself, put a structure in place as soon as possible. And what do you mean by structure? What I mean by structure is, so in 2021, it was kind of self-led. So it was a few of us, it was kind of self-led, meaning that, that you know, it was kind of hard to know, okay, who has you know, ownership mm. and, you know, who, and it's not, it's not about, you know, getting ownership, but like who should drive it. Mm. If it's not done, you know, who should push things forward? 
So that was 2021. And, and since beginning of 2022, I've, I've decided to take the lead of this community. And by taking the lead of this community, I've decided to have a lead. The six initiatives that we were talking about, there's actually, actually one lead for each of these initiatives. So there's ownership of the steering committee, which is you know, on, on me, but ownership of each in initiative and leadership of each initiative, it is on these other leaders. So that's what I mean by putting a structure in place. If you want, if you want to, you know, we say, you know, divide to conquer or something like this. If you want to be able to be an active change agent and, and to drive all these all these initiatives, you need to delegate. You need yeah. to have these leaders and to delegate, you know, ownership and leadership of, of these initiatives and they drive it the way they want to drive it. So, you know, put a yeah, put a structure in place and closely related to this. Surround yourself with passionate people. Yes. Yeah. Completely agree. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, in the past two years, I've been fortunate, honestly, while building this community, you know, to be surrounded by extremely passionate, creative and talented people. And if you surround yourself with passionate people, you can basically move mountains. So, so that's the first thing, you know, put that structure in place. Surround yourself with passionate people. And the second thing I would, I would not tell myself, but rather ask myself, is, is this new idea, is this new initiative, is it a sustainable one? Can you yeah. scale it up? Can you sustain it? We're not talking about you know, doing, doing a one-shot kind of thing. Because, you know, when, when we talk about communities, we tend to think, oh, you know, it's a virtual community. It's completely different from a real-life community. But in reality, it's the exact same thing. So, exactly. yeah. you know, like we're going to be okay. You know, you know what? On, on Monday evening, I'm going to go to my Swedish language cafe. On Tuesday evening, I'm going to go climbing. On Wednesday, blah, blah, blah. It's the exact same thing in virtual communities. So the moment you bring something to the community, you need to think, okay, can I scale it up? Can I sustain it? Not over two weeks, over a month. But can I sustain it over a year? Is it doable? and longer? Yeah. Exactly, over a year and longer, as you have been doing, you know, with the with the effective statistics and podcast, right? Exactly. I think this is extremely important, and that's why, in the end, we decided to retire AZ Tidy Tuesday. Yeah, you need to absolutely find ways to scale things, and uh, it's probably yet another complete podcast episode on, on how, to, <laughs> how to scale things. Last question I have is, what does it mean to you personally? It, it means a lot and, and it helped me so much. And it helped me on so many aspects and, and I want to mention a few of them. The first one is on the aspect of leadership. In the past two years, I have led a cross-functional team of 15 collaborators. And leading cross-functionally teaches you so much on leadership. Yes, that is true leadership. <laughs> and, and it teaches you so much because if you want to be able to drive change via a cross-functional team, you need to inspire people. Yes. You can't tell people because they don't report to you. <laughs> exactly. 
and and you know if you manage to do if you manage people to to follow you and to follow you know your leadership and your ideas the day you will become a managing leader would be so much easier because you won't rely on the fact oh you know i tell you to do this you will rely on the leadership and and you know inspiring people and ideas yes this is so true this is what i'm talking about in the leadership course that we have from the effective statistician all the time yeah leadership is inspiring others to act on your ideas and i really love this overall story about the r at astrazeneca community because this is a absolutely a great example of an amazing success story that was initiated by just some people getting together having an idea and moving it forward this was not decided at a big governance meeting with lots of vps in there where they said we will invest or 50 million over the next years and we put a governance body in place and we you know buy in external consultants and all these other things yeah no it was done by you know people like you and me you know completely kind of usual workers yeah no, no, no specific title yeah the key thing is you were passionate about it You surrounded yourself with other passionate people and you gave people a structure, a platform like the Tidy Tuesday, like these other initiatives in which they can perform, in which they can grow, in which they can connect. This is what great leaders do. They make it easy for others to achieve something. Thank you. Thank you, Alex. And then I can completely relate to, to what you said. It, it's a, it's very much a, it was very much a bottom-up kind of kind of initiative. It was, it was an idea started started from nothing, you know, just just a small meeting, you know, in early 2021, and it, it grew, it grew a lot. So so it helped me a ton on leadership. The second thing it helped me a lot on the communication aspect because in the past two years i have been the face of this community i have been able to tell the story of this community in various forums be it internally be it externally in different formats so it was oral presentations it was panel discussions it was blog posts a podcast like we're doing today yeah and 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 we say you know practice makes perfect You have to rub shoulders. If you want to improve your communication skills, go do it. At first, it's going you know, to be itchy. At first, it's going to be hard. But then it, it's going to become easier and easier over time. Yep. There's one other benefit. And you talked about this in our pre-meeting. It also helped you with your overall career. Yeah. yeah. Because you're now not just yet another statistician at AZ. You're the face of this big community. And of course, that helps quite a lot when it's about new opportunities, new stuff. Yeah. People higher up will 
see you will and will kind of think about you when you have these opportunities. So that's for sure another yeah, benefit. I, I absolutely agree. And, and that's the the third thing I'm, I wanted to mention is like the, the networking aspect. And because at the end of the day, when we talk about building a community, we talk about building a network of collaborators. And the connections that I have been able to make like internally and externally are, are just surreal. And I, I, you know, honestly, I still can't believe it. <laughs> and yeah. so to give you an idea internally, so, so we've got something at AstraZeneca, we've got a shadowing initiative, which basically allows one to shadow someone within that function or, you know, in another function. And a couple of months ago, I was, I was shadowing the VP of uh, biometrics in oncology uh, at Azeneca. Mm-hmm. It was the very first meeting. We were just doing a round of, of introduction. It was my turn to introduce myself. I had just admitted myself. And then this VP says, oh, hold on a second. You're the R guy, right? I had never interacted with that person. Mm-hmm. I had never worked with that person. But but I guess, you know, that's what happens when you are the face of such a big community. We are talking about one, more than 1,600 members as of today. So when you send an email to the community, you send it to 1,600 members. Mm-hmm. Not every single of the 1,600 are, are going to be opening you know, the email, that's for sure. But still, it's a very bright rich. So, so, you know, that's internally. And now externally, again, that's, that's surreal. And, and I still need to pitch myself to realize it. But like the community of our users recently hosted Hadley Weekend. This is so cool. <laughs> I saw that on LinkedIn when you announced it. I said, wow. <laughs> For all the listeners who have n- I don't, can't believe that there are people that don't know about Hadley Wickham, but can you shortly talk about who he is? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So Hadley Wickham is, is one of the founding figures of modern R programming language. He's behind the Tidyverse. He's behind ggplot. He's behind like so many books. One of the most influential ones is uh, probably R for data science. So he's a very, very big name in yeah. the field and, you know, you know, in R and in the field in general, if not the biggest name. And we hosted him. So we had a, a you know, a private talk by Hadley Weekend to our community members. Now, had you told me two years ago, three years ago, you're going to be has, uh, hosting Hadley Weekend in two years or three years time, I would have said, I mean, come on, you must be <laughs> kidding me. <laughs> yeah. I replied to your LinkedIn post that at some point others will talk in the same way about you. <laughs> Thank you, Alex. <laughs> Absolutely. You can meet outstanding people. Yeah. And I have experienced exactly the same. Yeah. I've met Alberto Cairo. Yeah. I've met on this podcast, just scroll through it, how many people I've been yeah. meeting. Yeah. If if you would have told me, oh, yeah, in a couple of years, you will all all have a one-to-one with these for an hour, yeah, and you become really good connected, I would say, come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But if you become the face of such a change initiatives, 
really amazing things happen internally and externally. Absolutely agree. I think that is one thing that we haven't talked so much about. These change initiatives do not just live within your company. They have a very, very big area also outside of the companies. And yeah, depending on how you exactly do it, the outside company activities can help you with your internal credibility also quite a lot. Absolutely. I, I can totally relate to it. You were talking about the, the biomarkers, European Special Interest Group. It's a cross-industry kind of initiative, but it, it's a win-win. It's a, I work for AstraZeneca. So obviously, I represent AstraZeneca in the Special Interest Group that I co-lead with Nicole from Beringer. And, and it's a win-win in the sense that I co-lead this. So we drive change externally. And then at the same time, internally, I can leverage all these connections from, from across the industry. Because yeah. when we talk about the special interest group, the biomarker special interest group, we're talking about like 45 people from across the industry. We've got people, people from all over. And, and, and I completely relate to the fact that it's, uh, it helps you so much. And, and sometimes we tend to think of this as, oh, but, you know, I have so much on my plate. I don't have time. I mean, let me be honest. There will never, ever be enough time. <laughs> it's, it's about saying yes to things. And then, then you know, you, you accommodate and, and you move things up and down the list of priorities. But like, you know, if we go back to the community of our users, of course, it has been a lot of work. I'm not going to lie. It has been a huge amount of work. But what I got out of it goes way beyond any expectations. <laughs> it's, you know, it's surreal. Awesome. That is a perfect finish for this episode where we talked about, you know, how a small you know, idea between three people grew into something absolutely major and outstanding within actually just some years. And so thanks so much for sharing your stories on all these kind of different things with, with the listeners. For everybody who is really keen to engage with the with Guillaume. Just, you know, I'll put a link to his LinkedIn profile in it. We'll also put a link to the biomarker SIG in it, which we talked about. And so have a look into these. We will also probably put a link into it in terms of the wonderful Wednesdays, as we talked about this quite a lot. And any other interesting things that Guillaume will share with me later on. Yeah. So thanks so much and yeah, all the you. best for the future. I'm pretty sure this will not be the last time that we have been here together on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Alex. It was, it was great to, to chat again. And yeah, as you said, it's always a great pleasure. Always happy to help. Always happy to share lessons learned. So feel free to reach out to me. You know where to find me. You can, you can find me on LinkedIn. So yeah, please feel free to reach out if you want. Now 
this was an absolutely amazing episode and it talks about driving change it talks about you being a leader and if you want to be really a change agent if you want to become a leader connect with me on linkedin write me an email and set up a meeting with me and then we can talk about what we can do together to achieve this the show was created in association with psi Thanks to Rain and her team at VVS for helping us show in the background. And thank you for listening. So, there's probably not so many other episodes, but like this, where it's really about reach your potential, lead great science, and serve patients. Just be an effective statistician.